podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Let's get into it then, man, as uh, we are now live. Um, good evening. Welcome to another New Space Order pod under the Touchline Fracker banner. I'll be your host tonight, X-Pac, Booker T. Firstly, hello, hello. How are you doing? Very well, mate. Very well. How are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm well. Thank you for asking. I'm ridiculously tired. Um, finished work at like a pretty decent time earlier. I was going to have a snooze and then I got roped into playing pro clubs for what was just a shit session. Honestly, we got relegated and then I had to carry them back up the division. So yeah, back to division one and my back hurts. <laughs> and now I now I'm here. Now I'm here. Soon to be joined by Yao as well. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, how are you doing in general, man? I can't really complain. I mean to be honest with you, um how I feel is probably how our season has petered out. I'm not unhappy, but I'm not happy either. I'm not particularly satisfied. And I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, it's um, kind of summing up the mood around the club at the moment. Ever since we bowed out the cup competitions, no one's really infused. You saw the tickets go up for for season ticket exchange and for sale for the Nottingham Forest game. I think there was literally tickets available in every tier of every section um, going into that. And I was tempted, but um, I couldn't even make the game. And it was, actually, going it was, it was it. actually visible as well. At yeah. Time, yeah, it was pretty visible at the ground. There were lots of gaps everywhere. Lots of gaps in the ground. I said that quite a few of uh, you guys still went, didn't you? Yourself, Sai. Uh, Tobes didn't even go for once. Who, who else went? No, that was it, really, this weekend. Oh, it, was, it was just myself and Sai, yeah. Was Yao not in the North Stand for this one? No, he, no he, was, he, he wasn't around for this one. Fair enough. I mean, expectations going into this game, did you really have anything? Or were you just still kind of numb? Um... No, I wasn't really numb to be honest with you. Uh, when I when I rocked up um, to the stadium on Saturday, in my head I was like, "Well, uh, generally, actually, as I've turned up to games this season, 
I've just had very little expectations, if I'm going to be honest. Um, and just like this game, I really didn't know what kind of performance we we would put together. Uh, I wasn't particularly buoyed by the the starting eleven, and I just kind of thought it's going to be an interesting game because we're playing basically one of the worst teams in the league coming away from home. So um, if we didn't beat this lot, then I then I don't know what to think. Boy, and now we're joined by none other than Scott Hall himself. Scott Hall, how are you? I'm furious. <laughs> Damn. Tell us why. Why are you furious? Because Spurs are winning and Conte's still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boys. One and, of them uh, has to Race give. for top three is on. Race for top three is on. How did you feel going into the Nottingham Forest game? I hope we lost. Yeah. Fair enough. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'm here for the greater good. I know the Spurs fans around the world thinking, nah, this guy's chatting mad. Why would you want your own club to lose? Listen, I had a long thought about this today. And I'm scared to say what I'm about to say. Say it. Speak your mind. I think Conte is going to stay. I was thinking this earlier. I've always kind of been open to... I mean, we're going to talk about this after we kind of summarise the Forest game, but I think I'd be open to a committed Conte staying, but it's, just his comments have been too far gone. But I just don't see him ever right, being right, committed anyway. I do not understand... I do not understand the U-turn, and I don't see any, I don't see any world how this can be turned into something positive. I, I just don't. Oh, there's... Let me, let me make this clear. This earmarks minus maybe a few things. The exact same thing that happened with him at Inter. Almost, almost to a T. Yeah, like in his first season with Inter, come summer, everything was, he's gone. He's not sticking. Yeah. He stayed, obviously won them the Scudero. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Spurs. But if this guy remains here after July 1st, ladies and gentlemen, you cannot see me in the stadium because it's going to be bloody. Yeah, I need him gone yesterday. But you haven't explained to us why you think he's going to stay. Because I just don't see the club acting like they normally would in these scenarios. By now, he would have been sacked or close to sacking. And the club just seems to be Happy, happy is some of the words that I've seen for him to see out the season. I'll tell you why they haven't sacked him. Why not? Because in my opinion, from a fan's perspective, winning a cup was always the minimum. It was always the minimum. And we all know how like Levy and Enik work from a from an expectation and, a, and you know, um, minimum achievement sort of perspective. But frankly... Like I've said in the group a number of times, we as fans are looking at top four as a achievement and we should be looking at it as a minimum standard. And in my opinion, the only reason, in my opinion, I feel that he still has a job is because we still look like we could probably get top four, which to them is like, maybe not to us as fans who, you know, who see the game and want more for us. But to them, as a as from a business perspective, financial perspective, from where we are as a club, they will probably see that as a positive. And in my opinion, that is why I think 
he is still in a job. I honestly feel, say we were five, ten points behind where we were, and it looked like top four was basically not in 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 reach or in a position where we could actually say we could turn this around in the last 10, 11 games, I think, he, I think he'd, he'd have gone. The performance, the team against Sheffield United, the performance, the team selection, everything that went with the Champions League game against AC Milan, that's enough to get most most top managers really severely looked at. But because we're, with, we're still within touching distance, actually not even touching distance, we're, we're, we're arguably in control of our own destiny, getting to, getting top four. And to them, that's a minimum standard. If we get that, I can't see I can't see how they suck him. I, can't see I think there's him. been a disconnect. There's been a weird disconnect recently where, I mean, did fans really expect us, expect being the key word, us to win a trophy this year? Honestly, Owen, I, I don't think that is a negative thing to think considering how we ended last season. I, I don't. I, like, Owen, think about our 2022 all right, we, we finished one of the top scorers in the league. We finished with basically one of the best defensive um, records in the league. We also finished with like a very, very high win percentage. And we were playing football that almost looked sustainable. It looked sustainable at times. We literally dragged ourselves into a top four position and took it from Arsenal. I mean, like, why wouldn't you assume after a, after a, a full preseason, um, some more players of the Conte ilk or the Conte style and added familiarity of the system that you would build. But you would never have thought that we would have actually regressed to the way, or at least to the level that we have this season. And honestly, playing the way we did last season, especially at the end point, there's no reason why you would have thought, okay, you can go on a decent cup run and win. Like, like, like let's be honest, I mean, we were just in the round of 16. This is where my point of the, of was going to be. Like, we didn't even, we, like, we, we arguably didn't even play that well to get there. No, we didn't. And we didn't even have to play a good team to get there. But my exactly. point was, so, I mean, I don't no. think fans expected us to win it, even with the running it looked like we had. But it looked like, it's just the way we went about squandering a really good opportunity to win one. And those are two very different things. And it's yeah. funny because you got this time last year where Conte's bemoaning the ambition of the club and even the fans sometimes. And then when we kind of want us to do better in cup competitions, he's saying we need to be patient and it takes time. It's like, it's, it's, it's an annoying disconnect where we should, with that running and the, the teams which were left in the FA Cup, we could have easily at least made a semi-final. And I don't think many fans would be disappointed if we went out in um to a better team in the semi-final. It's it's just like making the most of what was a really good opportunity. No, I would be disappointed. Listen, I'd be disappointed, it, but I wouldn't be up in arms like calling no, no, for I'll, his back I'll, in. I'll be up in arms. And I'll, I'll, tell you why, I'll tell you actually why I'll be up in arms. I'll tell you on two fronts why I'll be pissed. We shouldn't have gone out of the FA Cup to the team that we went out to because, you know, we're Tottenham Hotspurs and we should consider ourselves to be better than him. But he didn't put us in a position to do that and the players that played on that day were absolutely awful. So we're out of the competition. In terms of the teams that were left in that competition, there was, you know, I'd say three or four, you know, solid contenders for that trophy. No, no there wasn't. There was only two. Sorry, two. I'm sorry. There was only two. There was, was two. only two others. Here's the two. Man United, Man City. That's it. 
Okay, fine. Man United, Man City. Yeah, two teams that have won in recent years. We haven't won nothing in fifteen years. There's no way I'm going to a semi-final with my club and being happy with losing to either one of them. Sorry. With no, the but no, but no, but I, I think that's defeatist because no. you have to get there to actually have the chance to do that. No, no, you no. You have to get there. Listen to what I'm saying. Owen just said... Yeah. What's a goal? Oh, my God. Who scored? Sporting. Oh, my God. That's like a 50-yarder. Oh, my God. This this authenticity on the podcast, this professionalism is to die for. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> I actually don't mind it. Look, I, I, I actually want Arsenal to go through so I have to play more games. But what Marcus said was to kill it. So let, and me then explain, I'm eating. let me explain to Owen's, Owen's point. Owen's point was yeah. he doesn't think that fans would be pissed if we had a deep cup run and made it to the semi-final and went out to a better team. Let best. me reframe that. I'd say they would be nowhere, nowhere near as pissed. Okay. Obviously, they'll be, yeah, they'll be nowhere near as pissed. But here's where my problem is. We've made deep cup runs before. Even under Poch, I'm gone out to Chelsea. I think we went out to Chelsea twice, even. Yeah. Not only in the FA Cup, but also twice in the uh, Carabao Cup. Like, if we're to move forward as a club, there has to be a time where we get over these humps. We just have to. But right now, we can't even get past the fifth round hump. We can't even get past that. Well, I I'm not sure about that because we actually have. You know, fairly recently made semi-finals and finals. When, when, when was the last time we made? The last time was under who? Jose. Yeah, we haven't made nothing since. The, and that's that's not even been. That's literally yeah, I've not even been. Uh, it's not even been eighteen months. Not even two years. That is the last final we made to, and we sacked the manager that got us there. To be before, before, just before that Carabao Cup final, we got to a final not long before that either. Exactly. We actually mm -hmm. do all right. Uh, exactly. Get to the cup finals. We made, exactly. made what, four finals in the last eight years, right? Yeah, but like I said, I think it's not really right. To uh, think how, many semi, how many semi-finals have we made? To, have we made And been knocked out? How many quarter-finals? How, yeah. how, how many times have we gone out to the same team? That, that's a good question to ask. How many Yo, times have you gone out to the same team in but you, any but you still have to, But you still, as a club, you have to get there to actually have these opportunities. Right, lads, okay. So if we have to get there to have the opportunity, we can't even get past certain teams to even get there. And we can't even beat certain teams when we do get there. It's just a bunch of losers. Mm -hmm. So you're defeated... Once you get past one hump, which is beating the teams that you should be beating, you get to the other hump, <laughs> and your car's totaled. Is that what is that what I'm being told right now? I'm being told that the car can only go past one speed bump. This is what my point was. I think <laughs> you'd be you're less disappointed if your car makes it further up the road than just past this first speed bump, which no, wasn't I'll, even I'll, really I'll... a speed bump. I will like, call. I will call the the. I'll call the AA and I'll call them straight up. If you don't fix this damn car, I'm gonna break my foot off in somebody's ass. And that's not what happens at Spurs. No, what happens at Spurs is our fans go up to level five and sing Chaz and Dave. <laughs> that's that's what they do. <laughs> what they do instead uh, of singing 
I don't know, some Kano, P's and Q's. You're there singing Kumbaya. Great. Fantastic. Ugh. This is the club we support, people. Listen, who, which one of you got tickets for Beyonce? Because that, that's really what we should be talking about on this podcast. Damn. What, on the on the FA Cup final day as well? I would love to. Listen. What's the scores in, in Arsenal game? Uh, 1-1, 3-3 on aggregate. It's 1-1, yeah. Mm, a couple more injuries to, to them, man. You know, another goal You're to a score. nasty guy. So, hey, listen. <laughs> let me let me, let me me make this very clear, yeah, to, you know, fans around the world. Rivalries are dying. They're dying. Because, you know, m- most of these new age fans, they want to be like, oh, I don't really hate Arsenal. I'm a Spurs fan. I don't really hate Arsenal. Uh, I'm a Spurs fan. I don't really hate United. I'm a United fan. I don't really hate Arsenal, man. It's, it's all love. That's not me. If no. Arsenal could lose every single game for the living days of my life, I will not only rejoice, I promise you, I will throw a street party in Brick Lane every damn Saturday. I am from the creed, from the breed of real rivalry. When I tell you I despise your club, there is nothing your club could do for me to want you to succeed in any sort of way. Right now, they're top of the league. If they could lose every game from this moment to the end of the season, I'd buy tops. A freaking car. I would. This is the way. But they would have to lose every single game. I promise you I would. Cool. So Nottingham Forest game. Obviously we won. Uh, Anything that stood out in that game for you, which you're actually impressed with? Skip getting more game time. Mm -hmm. Happy kid. I think he deserves it. I think he has to get more game time. Um, um, Richarlison I thought Richarlison played. played well. I mean, he scored. It was offside, but, you know, he scored. Won the penalty as well. Yeah. On the Got penalty. Little assist for Son. Yeah. He was active, boy. Yeah, he was active, but, listen, I'm not going to lie to you, yeah. 60 million. It's a flop, bro. It's a, it's a flop. It's a major, yeah. major L. So but far, see, he is. You know, if he turns it around, he turns it around. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have a campaign this summer. That um, any player that Toby likes can't come to the club. They can't. That boy's in hell, bro. All, all his favorites, all his favorites stink. They stink bad. You know, it actually crossed my mind to ask you if you went as so far as to call him Richarlison a flop because he was Toby's guy. <laughs> nah, he's no, been. No, a... I gave you the benefit of the doubt, and I was like, no, no, no. Scott Hall's been objective. He's just no, no, he's flopped. saying he's what's flopped. on his mind. No, he's a flop. You know, you know what makes what hurts even more yet is that the first five games of the season, I was like, oh, active. Mm. You know, I was like, wait, he could give us. Give us something. Got a bit of dog. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, come on, man. I mean, it's a lie, bro. Like for sixty million, I, I I need a bit more than a bit of dog. What do you need? What, what do you What do you need, Booker? I need I need a, I need a bit more from than a bit of dog. I'm sorry for sixty million. I just yeah. I, I don't know. It was a fish. 
in many ways, like the weekend performance, it was a frustrating one for me because I feel like we actually needed him to, to have scored that goal. It kind of would have just maybe given him a bit of confidence. Like one thing, I one thing I really dislike about this player is that he's highly emotional. And I just think that guys at the top level shouldn't be as emotional as like one of the things that you're required to do is to basically operate at a top level with mm. basically extreme precision, especially as a striker. So that means, you know, you need to operate in a situation whereby everything about your game is like, is tight or mm. it's, it's like, you know, it's extremely tight and you need, mm. to be able to, you need to be able to, as a striker, take the chances that basically fall to you. So sometimes... You might, you may not even be having a great game, but given the opportunity, even if it's one or two opportunities, you need to be able to take those with two hands and and be able to like operate with this like massive precision that I that I speak of. With Richarlison, I just see someone who's like a man baby. He's a he's he's no, he is a man. He absolutely is a man baby, and it really annoys me because it's just like I need you to just take that emotion out of your game and just do what you were bought to do which is score goals and provide. Arguably, he, he provided goals on the weekend. He, he That was a great run for the assist, uh, for the penalty. And it was a really good, really good, smart assist for uh, the Sun, for the Sun goal. But by and large, with all this assist work and this dog, I'm going to need some goals, brother. I can't be, I can't be, at the, I can't be in the middle of March and nobody better tell me no damn rubbish about no 500, 600 minutes and reduced game time. I'm not trying to see that. We're in the, we're at the, we're in the middle of March, and this brother has no goals. Like, I hear it. Sorry. I hear it. That's what I told me. The brother has no minutes. goals. Let that, me that see seems something. like a shot. Let me see something. I'm, I'm just... And I'm, I like... I don't... I don't want to be super crazy with my take but I'm not really sold on him and if I'm going to be honest with you if I'm going to be honest with you I'm I'm this close to basically saying I don't want this guy at the club anymore just because of what I've seen as a whole however there's still 11 games and I've said a number of times that in my opinion the difference between us maybe getting top four and us definitely getting top four is literally one of our strikers, be it Son or Richarlison or Kulusevski, scoring anywhere between five and ten between now and the end of the season. I, I genuinely mean that. And if it's him that does it, fine. I'm vindicated. But I'm telling you, anything less than five goals before the end of the season is an utter disgrace. I'm sorry. I hear it. I hear it. I mean, to be fair... He got some goal contributions against Nottingham Forest. He's shown off the pitch. He's not scared of the box. He just needs to show that in his Spurs shirt now. I wish I could do a little Henri face because, yeah, that was... Uh... <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Um, so moving on from Richardson, we seem to speak about him every week. Because he's crap! Yeah, he's mid. Mid Charleston, someone no, said no, in the group you know chat. What? I Maybe. think as well, like, one of the reasons that... It... I think our, our fan base is so torn about him is because even initially getting him, a lot of fans were torn. A lot of fans were really torn as to whether 
he was the right guy. He was the guy that we were going to be spending a large chunk of our transfer budget. And to be honest with you, I actually think he can provide really good rotation options. Really, really good rotation options. He's quick. He's dogged. When he's given the opportunity, he can score. And sometimes he even creates for himself. Mm. But I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't keep protecting the guy in in middle of March who hasn't scored any goals when he was he was bought to score goals I, I don't understand I think I'm, he I'm... does have the ability to rise it like you said but I think um could be wrong but I think a big part of players of this ilk and their caliber can only really deliver their very best when they feel like the alpha in the team and he he should have been put in a better position to feel like that earlier on in the season when Son went through that barren run of seven, eight games and Richarlison can get a start even though he was fit. Um, yeah, there's just been so many times Son's where still he could have been given more opportunities and Son is, yeah, like you said, even though he scored in the last game, he's been... He's been us. Hey, man. So, so, like, so you, know, like you can talk about mentality, this mentality, that we got man babies in our team. One guy that doesn't stop crying, one guy that, that's always complaining and moaning and sighing and not and underperforming. Like, uh, just do your job. Just do your job. <laughs> no one's asking too much. Just do your job, man. Like, you, you know what hurts me the most? What hurts me the most is that we signed Richardson and Toby sang a song. He sang a song saying he used to pray for times like this. Look at what we're going through right now. He said he used to pray for times like this. Jesus. <laughs> Listen, end this now. This guy, if Toby tells me, yeah, listen, there's this player, I need Spurs to sign him. On that day, I will be arrested because that player will be assassinated. Can't come to this club. No more signings. We've got so many mid players. We've got mid players. I'm not going to lie to you. That home kit is a bit mid. And right. we've got mid fans. So it's, there's too much mid going around this club. They need to remove it. Bro, this is our real DNA. But we'll get onto that as well. Um, just to you know, summarise and finish this about. Nottingham Forest game. I was going to say, it's Pedro Poro played very, very well. Yeah, I, I was really happy with him. Like, he was put on skates in the first half, which I was like, "Oh, hmm," because I, I again, I, I'm still, I'm still asking questions about his defensive ability. I feel like um, when you're watching, when you're watching Poro defensively, right, he isn't the guy that's gonna win the ball back regularly. Like, he, I don't think that's his defensive style. I think his defensive style is more so covering spaces, running back into, into areas where he's needed as a defensive number. But I don't think he's going to be like a like a stand-up, a stand-up solid defender. I, I just don't think that's his game. And actually, as the game went on, he grew into it and he started to win a lot more challenges. He was a lot more confident going to ground and he was in the right areas. And to be honest with you, one of the biggest things I think sometimes is really good about having an attacking fullback is that they can often turn defensive situations into attacking situations or transitions. So that's kind of really positive, about, I think, about his game. There were lots of moments where he was maybe in a tight corner in, like, you know, our third in the, his right sort of quadrant. And he was able to, you know, a little bit of dribbling, a one-two, 
all of a sudden we're up the pitch. So I think that's really good at the moment, what we're seeing from him. I feel like uh, I think he just needs to build confidence as as a player in the team. Um, I, I wasn't really sure about him and Emerson, but I now think about it, I, he maybe isn't the number one like defender from fullback for us. I think Emerson still is. But mm-hmm. I definitely think he's, he's building in confidence. Um, and like uh, Yao said, I hope Skip, it's so good to see him just getting minutes. I think it's really good. Um, it's kind of important that he continues because, you know, there was, a, there was a point last season before his injury where it looked like he was going to be the starting six. Um, and obviously with the Basuma injury and the Benton injury, it's kind of good that he's been able to step up really well for us. Um, would like to see a bit more minutes for for Saar because I feel like he's had his he's had some good moments in the in the team. Um, but yeah, Nottingham Forest was it's again some of these games they're really difficult. You, what can you really take from this? Because you're playing a team that isn't really that isn't really good away from home. And in a weird way, it was funny because they had like five shots on target to our like seven or eight or something. So there were still opportunities for them to score, but again, they didn't really seem to cause much of a threat. Um, and in the end, we went out sort of clear winners, really, uh, especially with the the penalty save, which would have been very strange to have ended that match 3-2, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, obviously also, now, by the way, one, one thing I want to say as well, I okay, don't know, okay. the more I watch Forster, the more I think that Larissa is absolutely muddled. He's, I'm decent. Lie, He's been decent. For I'm not even gonna lie, man. Like when I'm, watch, when I'm watching Forster, I'm like, hmm, he commands his box a bit better. Hmm, he kicks a bit better with both feet. Hmm, there's less mistakes. Hmm, he probably is about the same in terms of goal stopping. Probably even actually inferior to to Lovris when it comes to like shot stopping. But I don't know, man. <laughs> I think Larissa is absolutely finished. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Watching Forster, and I'm like, I don't feel like it's that much of a downgrade. Is making me feel like, yeah, I don't know about Larissa anymore. You know, I can't lie. That he's sounds like you do know. Larissa is a secondary keeper now. He's reached that. And Forster, I'm not gonna lie to you. Forster has done well in the, since he's come back into the world. Since he's been in the squad, he has actually done well, but. My man is old, bruv. Yeah. And I can say that because I can tell when a man is old, bruv. When he drops to make them saves, he does it in three point turns, bruv. That's a that's a lot of muscular movement to get down and do a save. It's fine, bruv. Forster can stay there. He can train up the kids. Hugo can come, come back from injury. And he can be our French translator. You know, that's a great job to have after retiring. And then we need to get a young goalkeeper. I know we've been looking at this Valencia goalkeeper, um, the Georgian guy. I'm not going to pronounce his name because it's a madness. There's bare letters in that name. But that guy's like seven foot. He's bloody tall. He's massive, Pause. But listen, if we go for another goalkeeper, I just hope it's a goalkeeper. I can kick the ball well. He's comfortable with the ball to their feet. And he's a good shot stopper. That's all I'm asking for. If they can't command their box, all right, fine. That's annoying, but we can defend well from corners and other stuff. But can we? Yeah, I'm thinking that. Can we? 
But well, we're used to keepers not commanding I, the box. I, I, I I'll be honest with you. I can't remember the last goal we conceded from a corner. It was on Saturday, bro. Bro, did I miss it like that? <laughs> we conceded from a corner. Joe Warren scored on Saturday. Is that the goal? Yeah. <laughs> from a corner. That's how you know I paid no attention to that. You know, to this day, I still thought it was 3-0. I didn't even realise <laughs> it was 3-1. I paid no attention to it. No, no, for us, I'm happy to me. And man, we're talking about us getting Steve Cooper. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come yeah. on. Uh, let's, let's not even go into that. Man. That's actually a really good segue. So a lot of people have been talking about our kind of continuity plan with Conte seeming inevitably to leave, like inevitable to leave. I've seen a lot of people kind of talk about this, this need to go back to this... Spurs DNA, which Levy kind of said in this kind of knee-jerk panic statement after Mourinho. And a lot of people have then started putting their lineups forward or what they'd like to see for next season as well, like 23-24. This is what I want to see our team look like under Enrique, under Gallardo, under Poch or whatever else. But what really is our continuity plan? And do we have a DNA, really? We do have a DNA, but it's not what um, it's not what the the fans think of it is from recent years. You know, a lot of fans will think it's the the Poch style of football, although the Poch style of football is not far off the actual DNA or uh, supposed DNA of Spurs. Spurs were notoriously a pass and move team. That's what we were, and I know people will be like, "But all teams pass and move." talking about we were a fluid formation kind of team that's what we were in the past the problem was we couldn't defend so we looked good attacking wise we just defended horribly and so most of our matches were high scoring games of um emphatic goals but we would you know most times end up on the losing side we can't live that way so i don't know why levy decided to open his fat retard He's such a muppet for saying that. He's absolutely annoying. I can't believe he opened his mouth and said, go back to the top of DNA. Big man, shut your ass. Shut it completely. Don't talk about no damn DNA. Don't talk about Tottenham. Don't talk about nothing. You don't live in the ends, bruv. Yeah, stop that nonsense. Right now, we need to identify where we want to be 5, 10, 15 years from now, and the style of football we want to have in that decade slash 15-year period. The reason I say that is because there's a lot of teams around world football that do play or are trying to play the Pep Guardiola, Spanish, tiki-taka, Barcelona style of football. In fact, that's what football has become predominantly now. However, there are teams out there that have stayed or starved themselves away from that style of football and have stayed to the ethos of whatever manager is within their club at the time. Real Madrid, Ancelotti is very much a very, not necessarily pragmatic, but it's very a counter-punching style of football. You can attack us. We most certainly will attack you. But when you attack us, we're going to be potent enough to get out of this press and go straight up. If we got Enrique... And I think I've said this in the WhatsApp group. But if we got Enrique, you would have Man City, Arsenal, and Spurs practically playing 
the same style of football, just with different players and different variations of that same style of football. Because all three managers are Barcelona alumni. All three of them. There'll be almost next to no difference in the way we play. Just reading that note that Enrique would lose hope after six months. To be honest with you, I'm surprised that, you know, a lot of managers don't realise who they're dealing with. You know, the only difference is we need a manager that's... I, Me personally, I feel we need a manager that, you know, is not from Europe, you know. And, and we need a manager that, you know, knows a couple cartel members, you know, will deal with the kids. Don't you say Gallardo. I've never said his name. You were right. I, I'm I, just saying then. Okay, just don't. I said, I I said, he's been pictured in Heathrow lately and people are getting I said, excited. I said a manager that knows a few cartoon members. Because you know I mean? so, we need a manager that needs to And you said not from Europe. And not from Europe, yeah. There's bad managers not from Europe. Right? Okay. What's going on over here? Listen, all I want is a manager that puts fear, not only into players, but puts fear into Levy as well. I don't think there's a manager out there that actually can do that. I know people are saying, let's go get the Zerbi. That's Conte though, isn't it? Conte doesn't put fear into nobody. Stop that, please. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Conte, Conte is 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 manager Hoiberg, and you think Hoiberg puts fear into any my friend? Conte puts fear into nobody. Yeah, that guy is a facio. He's a bullfish. Like he, <laughs> he came out today and said, "Oh, I was joking about the AC Milan thing." Listen, I need I, when Conte finally leaves this club, I need him to not receive another job. He just needs to retire, go into the to the wilderness, and be done with football. Guy's a fraud. Well, I wouldn't go as far to say he is a fraud, to be fair, but I'm going to end what? up sounding like one of his apologists, which I'm actually not. He's a fraud. To be fair, he's pissed me off a lot this year. Jay Ashraf also says Gallardo would be his choice. A left field option just like Brighton with Deserbi. Deserbi was building his rep up in the Italian league. Who said it? Because I didn't say it. Who said it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jay Ashraf. Jay Ashraf. Hey, I, I, yeah, I yeah. never said it, but if Jay said well, it, um, you've found the consider. loophole. You've done well. You've done well there. I think we should consider it. You know, because I, I want ah. a manager, that, you know, that makes Tops happy. Because Tops is, you know, he's been furious for the last six months. I'd be furious too. I don't know. Uh, if it, when I think about like the style that I think suits us the most, uh, you can't think of one. I think the style that suits us the most. And I think when we've been the happiest as as a club and as fans, I think, is when we have a coach. I think the Martignol days was probably the first point, even for me as like a teen, as like a late, early adult. Good times. And, and Pochettino um, from when he started. I feel like <clears throat> if you have a manager who 
is happy to implement his principles and to be quite stubborn in the way he implements his principles, whereby he can, one, improve players, but two, he can actually show players that this this is kind of a progressive way to play. Um, I think that's where we're at. In terms of as a club, I mean, I've always looked us looked at us as being more of a cup competition club, whereby we're happy to take more risks. We're happy um, to really allow the game to be end-to-end. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Obviously, in the latter, it really hasn't. And once we got someone like Martin Yol, Pochettino, we could start to see the elements of our game where we were taking control of games. We were actually attacking with lots of good combinations, with good technical players in the right positions. Um, my biggest issue with the way that we've done our work in the last sort of four years is that we've kind of moved away from that. And, you know, I think it's quite... Um, it's quite hipstery to say that we've tried to win fast and I don't really think it's worked. I really don't actually... Actually, I don't think it's worked at all. I feel like mm. um, we're we're near on £60 million pounds down in, in manager salaries. Um, you know, with hundreds of millions spent on a plethora or variety of players of all different styles and uh, for all different systems. Um, and we're no further to what we required in the first place when we um, were with Poch with regards to a, a rebuild that required a number of different things. Um, promotion or a pathway for our for academy guys to move into the first team, an actual system um, that works and is like, you know, somewhat positive that the fans can get behind and also like a connect between the fans and the club. Um, and I, I just don't feel that we've really had that in the last few years, unfortunately. And I feel this is kind of where we're at. I don't think, I think this is a real crossroads for the football club because we're still trying to work out what exactly we want to do as a club not from a business perspective, but more so from a football, football perspective. Um, I think we mm. need to go back to just having a coach. I think a coach is someone who's able to implement an idea whereby players can actually, from a tactical perspective, be sure that this is going to work and they can actually get behind it by working with a coach day to day on the pitch, uh, be it on the training ground and also in games. But also from a perspective that actually, okay, Maybe this is a system that's going to work and I need to be patient that this may not work initially, but there is going to be things that are going to be easily implemented. Like, I mean, you know, we all, we all know Pochettino to start with, we weren't, we weren't really sure about what he could do for the club. And actually, you could see it after about six, seven months, even just little implements of what he was doing. Similar with Martignol. I wasn't Martignol's biggest fan. I thought he was quite arrogant. I thought he didn't really, like he didn't really have a connection with the fans. And actually, when I started seeing the way he was playing, even the way he used Modric, the way he used Carrick, and we were playing the way we did, I was like, okay, actually, this is something I can get behind. Pause. Mm-hmm. And, that's how, and that's how I feel we, I, that's how I feel we need to go. Um, unfortunately, these method of using these coaches who are big names um, to implement their their big styles or their traditional historic styles on a, a bunch of players who you know who haven't won. Uh, I, th- I think it's I think it's probably it's probably too far now. I think we need to maybe move in 
a direction that's actually worked for us. You're moving think, me. You are moving think, me. I, I don't you... think Pochettino is that direction, personally. Uh, I think there's other coaches that we could possibly look at. Um, <clears throat> I I can't really say a name. Like if I'm if it was up to me, um, there's lots of different things. There's lots of different caveats you have to think about. If you're going to take someone like Enrique, you need to be able to give him the players from a decent technical base to be able to do so. Uh, I also don't think, from a negative point of view, that his teams are particularly good defensively. And actually, um, one of the biggest issues I actually have with his style of play, especially when he's managed Barcelona and Spain, is that unless you have these key breakers, these key sort of players that are able to unlock teams, you very much look like a plan A and plan A only. After that, you really do come up trumps. Um, I look at someone like Deserby. I don't think I don't think I want any ex Chelsea managers. Um, I feel like whilst he's an excellent coach, um, and I think he was probably probably treated quite harshly at Chelsea. I just don't want the I just don't want this stupid. I don't know. It sounds really petty. I just don't want this stupid connection. With yeah, I actually, I, I, I do get it as well. I just don't like the idea that Chelsea can just monopolize all the managers. I think Potter will be fine. Um, I think he'll be fine because he, he's very lucky. He's got a lot of good players and he's got a, a lot of good young players. And actually, he's historically been shown to be somewhat of an excellent coach. Um, so I imagine it'll probably work out for him. Maybe not now, but at some point. And then you have the other sort of ideas. You know, you have people like um, Gallardo, um, the, the Argentinian um, for River Plate, or he's he's not got a job now. And you have De Zerbi at Brighton and some outside names like um, for Thomas Frank and things like this. Or even like some of these younger guys, like the, the, the manager for Sporting, um, Amarin, who I think is really... He's quite a good young manager as well. It's it's very difficult to say. Uh, I just feel that for us, we have to get back to a point where we are coaching and improving our players. And I think that is the biggest thing. If anything, you know, you can look at our, our current crop of players now and maybe the way we played under Jose, we got the best out of Kane and Son. Um... But then you look at players that regressed, maybe. You're looking like like Dyer, you're looking at some of the fullbacks that we had, like Regulon and Sess. These players didn't improve. Then Jose went. Then you bring in Conte and you're looking, okay, who has he really improved? Have we improved from a technical perspective? In some respects, yes. You know, Romero, Bentenkur, um, Kulusevsky. And these players arguably gave us a bounce in that January. But then you're looking at Kulusevski now. Maybe he's a bit burnt out. Maybe he's a bit he's suffering from injuries. You know, we're starting to get a bit of a a wider view of what Romero is like. We don't really know what we're going to get from Bentancur when he returns. But then who you know players you could say arguably he's improved to an extent. Maybe he's improved Emerson, kind of improved Davies. Outside of that, you know, uh, Suns regress. Kane's kind of performed on, out on his own this season. I, I, it just hasn't worked with these guys. I, you know, I, Conte, he's an excellent manager in, in his own right, but I, I just don't see how we, I don't see how we continue with him. Checkbook manager. 
just don't. I just don't. So yeah, you made me sick with your Mourinho prop, and then the same energy is not applied to to Conte. It's... Conte could go suck out. I couldn't give a flying crap. Listen, <laughs> listen. The thing with Jose, yeah, I I acknowledge that the squad, the actual squad, even the starting eleven was bad. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I acknowledged with Jose. I was like, yeah, he's getting a bad rep. You know, people are cussing him out and stuff like that. But the team's bad. Like, it's not a good team. Conte okay. came in, the team was also bad. So, for the first, like, six months, I was like, yeah, all right, yeah, fine. Team's bad. Then you got Ben and Kulu. We made top four. We should have never made top four, by the way, but we made top four. So, and um... the summer came. Yeah, and this is, this, is where, this is where Conte lost me. The summer came, we made the signings. I'm like, all right, they're not... You know they're not moving me, but as a squad, it's a bit better than what we had last season and the season before. Mm-hmm. I watched the first few games and I was like, mm, I'm a bit worried here because you know we don't look good, but we're churning out results. And then the World Cup came, then the World Cup went. And I went back to watching Spurs. And it was just pumpy. We just got pumped. Every single game through January, February. And I was like, what is going on here? And what pissed me off the most about Conte was the stubbornness. You have every right as a manager to be stubborn. If your squad, hear me, one through to 18, one through to 21, if you want to, is horrendous or bad, and you just got a core 11 that you can work with. But this guy persisted with Hoiberg, persisted with Son. And then when things really got mad and people started to get injured and players were out of form, that's when he was like, you know what? I'm just going to dash in Saar. I'm just going to dash in Skip. I might even dash in Richarlison for some idiot minutes. Or I'll give Brian Hill a little run out. And you know what us fans saw when he did this? We saw other players and we're like, oh, you know what? He's all right, you know. Give him a little run. But no, following week, we're back to, to the old school ways. But what, what, what was even more of a piss take? We signed Basuma. And this guy came out in the press and told the world he ain't ready. He ain't it. That's what he basically said. He told the world that Basuma ain't ready and he ain't it. While persisting to play Hoiberg 90 minutes through in, throughout. I'm telling you now. At no point in my life, as God is my witness, can I meet Conte face-to-face at this current moment. Because I'd headbutt him. I, I promise you I would do it. I'd headbutt him. Because you have to explain to me how you've been this stubborn to be disloyal to players that have failed you in multiple... You know, we've lost nine games? Nine games! 
We have no right to be top four. We're only here because everybody, and I mean everybody around us, from United down to whoever's 10th, is so inconsistent that we're still in it. We're actually still in it. Liverpool mm-hmm. pumped United 7-0. Salah decides to kick a penalty all the way to Charlton. <laughs> Who would have fought it? Who would have bloody fought it? True. Absolutely. And I mean, so, and so for me... It's difficult. It's very so difficult. for me, I'm like, why would I want to keep this guy at this club anymore? Please, just get rid of him. Put me out of my misery completely. Get rid of him. I don't want to see him... The only way this could turn around, yeah, and it's not going to happen. This is what's this is what's infuriating. The only way this could turn around, he stays. We win the league. We haven't won the league in like sixty years, so that's not happening. What made you think he was going to stay when you were talking about Conte earlier? Mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast, and they reminded me of exactly what happened with his Inter Milan season. I completely forgot about it, like utterly forgot about it. And they remind they literally done a deep dive. I'll find the podcast, I'll send it to you guys. But they've done a deep dive into his inter Milan season. And I kid you not, it is almost identical to what we're going through. Yeah. And it's frightening. It's actually frightening to think that this guy might get to summer, look at his contract, and be like, I was horrible. We had a horrible season. This is not how I want to go out. I want to go out on my shield. Give me one more year. I'm, I'm telling you, if that happens, <laughs> I'm getting my season ticket. I'm going to the South Stand and I'm booing this guy every single game for 90 bloody minutes consecutively. I want him gone. I want him gone. And I'm fearing, every as each day passes, I'm fearing he's going to stay. He's actually going to... Do you know the two things I'm fearing the most? There's two things I fear the most. Him staying and Poch returning. Honest to God, these two factors, they frighten the living hell out of me. They actually do. I know people are like, oh, Kane might stay. I'm like, whatever, he's a loser. I don't care. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the whole Kane ship. He stays goal. I couldn't give a flying crap what he does. I actually don't care. Yeah. Like, move on. Move on from him. I'm done with it. Yeah, we Talks need a, a new deal. Quite a lot recently. Crazy. Uh, listen, the only way they're keeping him is if they give him that Mbappe type of deal. And for the love of God, don't give it to that guy. Don't give it to a guy that scored one free kick in seven years, please. I don't even think he needs that to stay at Tottenham. I think he's. I think he's pretty comfortable. Well, that should give you a clear indication as to why I want a striker that can bet him. Flip sake. Well, you know, mm. mm. you got to think of it like this, yeah? Does Kane have the right to start? Sure he does. So, record goal scorer. He scores 20 goals every season. Has, there's no reason to bench him. But if we get a striker that can challenge him, challenge him, that we as fans and the coach and whoever can look at this player and be like, you know, okay, last week he played against Nottingham Forest. He stunk up the joint. Touched the bench for, for a little 70 minutes. But, yo, what are you talking about? We just, we, we've literally just bought, we literally just bought someone like that. No, no, sell him. Sell that kid. That kid's mid. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, 
I'm t- I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't work like that. Yeah, man. Unfortunately, bro, it doesn't work like that. Well, this is like, the problem we have. You're saying it doesn't work, work like that. That's a six. That's okay. a sixty million pound asset. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna keep it. We're going to. That okay, means, keep him to do what? To do what? Come off the bench to he's replace. Gonna, he, he's probably gonna be an effective rotation option at some point. Uh, at, at some point. Okay, at some point. Zero goals, and we are ne- almost in the back end of March. At some point. When is some point going to kick in, please? Uh, I'm um, sweating. Could, could you... you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not his, I'm not his biggest fan. I, I'm, I admit that I'm not his biggest fan. But at this point, you're not just going to take a loss on a £60 million asset that's on like another three or four years remaining on his deal. Yeah. Well, we took, we're taking a loss on Ndombele right now, aren't we? He's yeah. Our record, he's our record signing. So it's not the first time we've done this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require some patience with him. Um, okay. So, so you want me to be patient after all these years? Okay, that's fine. So let's go back into the market and we go and find huh, a B option. You know, another player to just come off the bench because it's Harry Kane that's starting ahead of you. So we'll go get another option off the bench. Who, who should we go get? Michael Ricketts, call him out of retirement. You know, we don't need them to play much minutes. Harry Kane plays 90 minutes anyway. We only need them to go on the pitch for 30 seconds. Who should we call? Kevin Phillips? Give me an idea. Now, Quinn. I mean, Owen, 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 who are you picking? For what? Spurs to sign? That's a striker. No, as, a, as, a, as a new manager. As a new manager. As a new manager? If, if Conte doesn't stay. With this talk about coach... Improving players and whatnot, you're right. Um, this is the same <clears throat> kind of things you were saying when you were giving Ted Hag prop, and you were right about that. Not to say I was wrong about Potter, but you know, we'll have that conversation another time. Um, yeah. I think it's between two, even though, do you know what? There's one which is slightly higher favored purely because he's still doing well at the moment, like I. Need us to have a coach, but I need us to have a coach who's off the back of doing well at a club side. So, with that said, um, I would pick either Deserby or Poch. Interesting. Interesting. At this current moment in time. These men run to the exes. Yeah, um, I've actually never run to an ex in my adult life. You're doing it now. In real life, anyway. <laughs> Why would I run oh, to an ex? I'm running back Why to Why would Daddy. I run to an ex? You're going to get the same... That, that's what they call insanity. You know, going back to the same situation. Real Madrid done it with Carlo. Expecting a different uh, response. Every situation is different. And uh, my thing is, Carlo's there's still players Carlo's at this club, which Pochettino is responsible for signing. And there's one in particular who I would love to see a renaissance in Ooh. Harry Winks. Jokes aside, Tongi, obviously Tongi. Um, <clears throat> oh, man. I think uh, his deep Harry, talent is... Harry, 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 Winks, Harry Winks needs to receive the Deli Ali treatment. We need I to think he is, isn't he? No, we need to send him. He's about to get relegated to Sampdoria. We need to send him to. I, I don't care what he's doing in Italy. We need to send him to Everton. He needs to end up in Besiktas. Big man? No, but Owen. He can't I want to know very Uh-oh. quickly why you think. Why do you think Poch would be a good idea? 
Okay, cool. I can, um, see, I can see why Deserby would be a good idea because actually, to to be able to implement your style of play that quickly and that positively and actually get the best out of lots of players who are different profiles, McAllisters, Caicedos, Sonny March, you know, to be able to do so and to do it so positively, I'm like, okay, he must be doing something right. But, but it's not Poch, for the job, Poch, though, is it? Poch, who had, who in my opinion, had arguably better players. Um, maybe the squad, the squad was a bit unbalanced at PSG, but arguably better players. And I really wasn't moved by what he was doing there. Um, I need to know why you think this would be a good situation to to rehash. Why? Cool. Um, where will I start? So I didn't get moved by what he did at PSG either. I've got to be fair, but at the same time, I think that was an excellent experience for him to get invigorated. To like a lot of talk has happened recently with this whole Tottenham DNA, but really they're referring to Pochettino's time at Spurs, and he's actually now essentially become a Spurs fan as well. He's gonna have a new lease of life coming into a team which he loves. I think he'll have some very good new ideas on how we would go about our business. And he's a proactive manager who does actually coach players to become better. Like you described earlier, he's a good coach. He's progressive. He's adaptable. And he loves the club. Like those tick many, many, many boxes. Um, my concern with the Zerbi coming in is it would take a bit longer. There's not a lot of high level experience, especially in Europe from the Zerbi. I'll say I know he's managed in another league, but has he managed at a high level in Europe? No. Has he played there in a, at a high level as a player? I'm not aware if he has. So... Yeah, with that said, I think um, if I had to nail it on the heads, I think Pochettino edges it for me. Even though I would still be open to a tuckle as well. I like, I, I just don't see it happening. I'm not going to lie to you. What what Owen just said right there, you make some very strong points for, for Poch. You know? I'm not, I'm not going to lie. You, you, you made some strong points, but... Uh, Tops is talking at the moment as well, but I think he's on mute. Yeah, yeah, you were very heavy for 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 Gallardo. Why not? I, I, I still want the cartel, but that's not the point. <laughs> like, no, you're going, no, you're going. I'd like, like to know. I, I'd actually like to know because I've done a bit of a deep dive into him, but I'm trying to see why you think he would be a good idea for us. I think, in terms of what I've seen from Gallardo, yeah, I like the style of I like the style of play that he has his team or teams uh-huh. managed to play in. Now, when I watch these River Plate team, what I got from them is that not only are they very well structured in their formation, but they're extremely aggressive. Yes, and I mean, aggressive the way they attack. Like they, when they attack, they attack. And when they defend, it's it's like it's it's almost like they're doing doggies up and down the pitch. And I'm like, they are relentless. And I just would love to see that at Spurs with the right players, of course. Yeah, with the right technically blend and that style of football, I think we could go somewhere. Now, yes, he would need time. 
And I'm not going to lie to you what Owen said about Poch coming in and not needing so much time to turn it over. Kind of gives Poch a bit of an edge over all of these names that were mentioned. But if I was to go for the whole project thing, I'll go for the man in Argentina. Okay. So, yeah, Gallardo, it's a... Honestly, it's a really difficult one to judge. We're talking about... Uh... In the scheme of things, a fairly young manager. He's not even 50. I think he's like 48 or something like this. Yeah, he ain't got enough fingers. One thing I've always I've seen about him as well. So he's he's he was at River Plate since 2014. Uh, yeah. and he left only after the end of this season after winning the title, which I think I think he's the second title whilst he's been there. He's won lots of cups, but yeah. I think it was only his second title. Yeah, it's uh, tough to win that title though. One of the biggest things they say about his style of play, well, if we're looking at him from a formation perspective, he is kind of old school. He goes almost like a four-four-two diamond, um, yeah, or sure. or he'll go with like a four-two-two-two. Two, two. Yeah, but um, it works out to be a four-three-three three when you see it. And he in- can, and he can. He is quite adaptable. If he needs to play three at the back, he can. Or if, or if he wants to play a traditional 4 3 3, he can. Um, like you said, they almost call it like a South American version of Tiki Taka. Yeah, and, I don't um, know what you call it. Though. His teams move the ball very quickly, one touch passing in triangles, um, and they use their fullbacks very, very high, very, very wide. Um, they do dominate the ball. And one of the biggest positions that's important in, in his teams is the number six, who almost drops in like a third centre-back and really dictates the pace and the control of the game. Um, so he's had this guy this guy named um, Enzo Perez, who's played there for quite a long time uh, for him. Uh, one of the biggest things I've also read about them you're right, extremely high-pressing, extremely aggressive. I think last season mm. that ended, only one player in their starting 13 or uh, 12 or 11, twelve or 13 that normally play, only one of those guys had an average of less than three tackles per game, which I think is like quietly incredible. Tops his moves. He does what I mean. If you're talking about guys to press the ball aggressively, and you're asking guys to tackle continuously in games, you have to have two things. You have to be one, you have to be fit, and two, you have to be dogged. You know, we kind of we're kind of lucky we get that in players like Romero, Skip, arguably Ben Tenkura as well. You know, these are kind of dogged players. But to have that generally across the pitch is it's quite unique. Uh one thing that I did think was a bit of a caveat when I was looking at a lot of the stats is that the quality of the league is not... It can be looked at as being a bit sus because all of the metrics, and I'm talking defensive and attacking, they seem to come top of. Every single every single metric, which I think is, is odd. Like, we're, we're, we're talking something as, something as basic as, for instance, per match, they would have something like 17 or 18 shots per match. The next team would have something like 11 or 10 shots per match in the league. They would have something like, per game, uh, eight or nine uh, eight or nine offensive recoveries from pressing. 
and the next team along would have like one or two offensive. So there was something in the league that almost seems to be like, you maybe have to take the league with a pinch of salt, but the stats don't lie. And generally the stats don't, they don't lie. So I'm also thinking whilst their team was probably, yes, the best over the last two seasons and they won both seasons, you maybe have to take it with a pinch of salt as to why they were able to win the way they were able to win. Like, the one thing I do like is that he uses, he uses his fullbacks high and wide. And I think to have players like Poro and obviously Udogi coming in, I think is really important. And the one thing that does worry me a little bit is this use of this aggressive press. Because I just think we haven't looked like a team who has been particularly fit. And generally, the press that Gallardo puts on is one that forces uh, not only the defence to make mistakes and to force the ball long, but also to deny the opposition very, very little space. So you have to have guys that are completely active and also very prepared and tactically ready to perform this kind of press. And I'm telling you literally from the front, like when I watch some of the videos, some of it, I couldn't believe that it looked the way it did, but it worked and it worked for a reason. So... uh, just say you're moved. Just say you're moved, brother. I don't. I'm not going to say no, no, no. You're no. moved. I'm going to. I'm going to sit here and say to you that there's lots of it that seems positive, but I'm still going to maintain my point to you. I don't think a manager like this, in my opinion, translates so so quickly and effectively like this. I feel that there has to be a bedding period if it means he goes to another team in Europe, or if he does. If he is given a job, like say at Spurs, that there has to be some real patience because one, he has to have exactly the kind of plays he needs, and two, he has to be given time to implement these methods. Like, let's be honest, we're talking about a guy that was at the club from 2014. What are we? We're 22. We're 2022. So that's a seven-year period where he won like 12. He won like 10 cups, two titles. But at the end of that, but at the end of that time you know, he's clearly come to an end where he feels like he needed to go. So I feel like very much so he's going to be in it. He's going to be very much set in his own ways, but then he's going to, he's going to have to take on the fact that he's going to have to get to new used to new players. He's going to have to get used to a new, a new league. He's going to have to, to get used to new expectations. And one of the biggest factors, which I don't think people actually realize is that the man doesn't speak English. And whether we like, whether we like to, whether we like to, you know, whether you like to uh, take, whether you like to take that as being something small, because Poch did it. Like you can even look at like something so basic, and they mentioned it this week on the extra inch pod, which I think is a really, really, really good Tottenham pod. Something as similar as like the difference in languages can make such a difference from what players and what coaches see as being as being one thing and actually could be in something else. So when we talk of Conte and his use of the 10, Conte uses that that player, or what they call in Italy, Trecaista, as a player who is basically central forwards who play behind the striker, which he basically sees as Son and Kulusevski. He sees the wide men as, but, as 10. Yes, but... You would think naturally, what is a 10? A 10 is a creative player who takes up third, final third spaces in between lines and is a creative player. So you would look at that being 
like a Mesut Ozil or like an Odegaard or or like a James Madison. But in Conte's mind, his his use of ten is like the wide players, Kulisevsky and Son. So sometimes I think we are maybe we are maybe reducing what this difference in language might actually be. And maybe again, that's why when Poch started there was a bit of a disconnect. And I imagine with a man who doesn't speak any English, well, from what I understand, he doesn't speak any English, Gallardo, that could also be a massive factor as well. Small vamos and people are worried, bruv. Small donde esta Burger King and people are worried. Get your Spanish up, bruv. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's all I really have to say on, on, on Gallardo. I'm, I'm very much split, but I'm more no than yes. <laughs> You're more. Yes I think he's more. I think he's more of a hipster. He's more of a hipster choice than anything, in my opinion. You're a hipster. Don't call him a hipster. He's a cartel. Have some respect. How dare you? Huh? Yeah. He's definitely a hipster choice, but that's moved me to a point. I've got him above Enrique. I've got him above Enrique. In my pecking order now. Enrique's a hipster choice. But I'm not denying that. They're all hipsters. Yeah. If I'm just you know, it's not a hipster. Poch is a hipster, bro. Not anymore. He's a hipster, bro. Don't don't be. He, he's a loyal ex. <laughs> he can go suck out, bro. Ain't nobody trying to rub that. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying? I like everything that Tops did because I told him to go do his googles, and he did his googles. And I know. Look, I've known Tops for a while now, so people listen to me. Tops can do all this lying for you guys. He's moved. Yeah, that's why he's tilted his head to the side. Oh, yeah, no, he, he has moved himself. He like moved, bro. He's moved. And oh, you could do all this denying, but we know you, brother. We know you. you we, we've seen you check your watch four times. You're moved. <laughs> like, I'm I'm not taking an L like I did for ETH. That was an L. Yeah, but ETH at an L. E- ETH was an L because we agreed with you. We were all on board with... We made a podcast. And then, and then, the, and then the next day, he signed an extension. Yeah, he got his his extension got triggered. Yeah, he he didn't have it. And all of a sudden, he didn't have much choice. After how many months at United, you're looking at and you're you're thinking, hmm. But that contract getting extended Uh, isn't an L for you. Yeah, that's not an L. And and him him at United, there's a lot of caveats to that because had he not got Casemiro on. One two signings just before the end of the transfer window. <laughs> Listen, United would be in hell, and the resurgence of Rashford is a godsend. But he, yeah. he has done a good job. He has done a good job. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie though. I'm not gonna lie. You see, you're saying resurgence, right? But bro, I mean, if I'm being totally honest with you, United lose the next game and Tottenham win our next one. We're third, bro. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that's not the like that doesn't mean that United as a whole look great. There's been many games that I've watched United play, and I'm like, this ain't it, you know. But you guys are just getting over the hill. And Richard, listen, Richarlison needs to take a book out of Rashford. Like he needs to, he needs to take a book out of Rashford's library and read it because Rashford, for at least eighteen months, was an MP, and he did a great job. He fed the kids of this nation. But then he decided to hang up his boots and put on some cleats and become a football player. Now we got a Richarlison. We left the, the hard streets of Rio de Janeiro, went to Merseyside, sold some cocaine on the docks, decided to come to London, move some weight. We gave him some extra keys. And the guy can't hold the weight. 
He can't hold the weight. He's given us nothing. Absolutely mimpois. For those that don't understand, that's French for zero. In seven months. Zero. Zero. Cool. That's some uh, corners of the group chat. Bit of zero. Zero. <laughs> Guys, I think that's going to wrap up the pod for tonight. I was going to go on to our kind of fixtures coming up, but I mean, I, I don't think that's going to have a, a big standing into what happens going into the final of the season. I think we could lose our next two games. We could be in top I'll, four contention. We could be seventh. We could be third. It, it who I knows? Do not and no one really. I don't care. I really I, don't I, I told you. I, 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 I gave up caring after the North London derby. You might have also got that impression. We'll we'll put our 23-24 lineups in the group chat as well, yeah? Yeah, do not make, care. make sure you do. Oh, what I was going to say before we leave. Um, Conte suck out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Until next week. It's New Spurs order. Look at him. Thank you. Thank you. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. A great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! Podcast Network.